morning to you. We'll be focusing on that particular song we were just involved in, Will Your Anchor Hold? Will Your Anchor Hold? <clears throat> also, there's a little uh, worksheet that can go along with this. Uh, did everybody get one? You need one? Of course, our primary passage is the Hebrew passage, Hebrews 6, 13 uh, through 20. And you'll notice um, a great emphasis in that passage on hope. You know, life on earth cannot happen without hope. The farmer uh, plants his seed and he has just a natural hope that this is all going to work. Uh, every activity that we're involved in uh, involves hope because we want a good outcome to that, to that activity. A bride and groom are making their plans and they are um, make their plans in great hope for what is ahead. If you really think about it, nothing in life really happens without hope. And that's especially true with greater intensity uh, with the Christian life. Hebrews 6 and verse 19 says, Our hope as Christians can be both sure and steadfast. And so this song asks a good question, Will your anchor hold? If hope is our anchor of the soul, then it is a good question to ask, will your anchor hold? The resounding answer to that is, of course, yes, it will hold. And so we're going to notice four reasons why our anchor will hold. Okay. And so you see, you see this on your sheet here. In the first place, yes, our anchor will hold because the aim the aim of our hope is so very clear. Yes, our anchor will hold because the aim of our hope is clear. Very clear. Very clear. Very definite. Notice these passages about hope. Titus 1 and verse 2. Paul writes, in hope of eternal life. That's our aim. Our aim in everything that we do is eternal life. In hope of eternal life, which God, before the world began, and God who cannot lie, promised before the world began. Notice that in Titus 1 verse 2. And then look at Titus 2, leading down to verse 13. If you jump back to Titus 2 verse 11 or so, Paul says, The grace of God has appeared, bringing us salvation, teaching us that Denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And then it says, verse 13, looking for that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, 
that he might redeem us from all iniquity, and that he might purify unto himself a peculiar people, a people for his own uh, possession. And so our hope is um, characterized by a great aim, a very clear and present aim. Notice in Colossians 1 and verse 5, Colossians 1 and verse 5, Paul mentions the hope that is laid up for us in heaven. The hope that is laid up for us in heaven. And in addition to Colossians 1 verse 5, notice 1 John 3, verses 2 and 3. 1 John 3, 2 and 3. Where John writes, Brethren, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he appears... We shall be like him, and we will see him even as he is. And then, whoever has this hope, whoever has this hope, purifies himself even as as God himself is, is pure. And so, yes, our anchor will hold because our aim is great. The aim of our hope is clear. Way back in early... 1990s, when Michael Jordan was still playing. He was in the NBA Finals and was playing against a team that Clyde Drexler was playing on. It was the Phoenix Suns. The first game of the NBA Finals, Michael Jordan scored 35 points in the first game. Hit probably seven three-pointers in the first in the first half. It was he set a record for that day and time of the number of points in in, in an NBA final a game in the first half. And um, later they asked him about what was going on there in the first half. He said he wasn't real sure. He said for some reason or another the basketball goal looked like a big bucket, a big old basket. He said, I just was seeing it very clearly, and it just, things just went well. And if you listen to athletes, they will say that sometimes when they have a good day, whether it be a golfer or a baseball player or a tennis player, they'll say, I was seeing the ball real well today. I was seeing the goal real well today and it is um, it is that way it can be that way it should be that way in regard to the way we conduct ourselves and the aim that we have uh, in life if our aim is clear then we will conduct ourselves the way the Lord wants us to notice again uh, going back to 1 John 3 verse 3 he says uh, whoever has this hope purifies himself Connect that back to Titus 2.13 where he says we're looking for that blessed hope and the appearing of Jesus who gave himself for our sins that he might redeem us from iniquity but also purify unto himself a particular type of people. And we are thankful as Kim was praying a little bit we're thankful to be God's people but if we are God's people we've got to have that that hope and got to have the clear aim that is uh, in that hope. 1 Peter 2 verse 11 refers to Christians as strangers and pilgrims. Strangers and pilgrims. Some translations may have exiles and sojourners. We are strangers and pilgrims. We are strangers because we are not at home. We're not at home in this world. Not yet. We're not at home. We are pilgrims because we are working to get home. 
We are headed home. We are strangers and pilgrims. And of course, the song comes to mind, This world is not my home. It is the theme. That, that is the theme of the Christian life. And so first, our anchor will hold because the aim of our hope is so very clear. In the second place, notice on your sheet, our anchor will hold also because our hope is tied to God himself. Our anchor will surely hold because our hope is tied to God himself. This is brought out in a Hebrew passage uh, several times. Okay. So we'll switch over there uh, to Hebrews 6 and verse 19 on our screen. But notice some thoughts about how that our hope is tied to God himself. Leading down to verse 19 here in Hebrews 6, 18 and 19, it talks about the character of God. The character of God. And I want to get to that in just a minute. When you, most of us, I would say a good number of us in here, probably have been involved in the, in the little game we call tug of war. Tug of war. And you know which side is going to win by looking at the end of the ropes because that's our anchor guys, right? That's our anchor guys. Now, if you've got a guy on your side, on your team, at the, at the very end of the rope who uh, is muscle-bound and is a huge-looking fella, a uh, lot like me, then you're going to probably win that tug of war. Okay. But on the other end, on the other hand, if you, at the end of your rope, you've got this scrawny fella okay, who, who could barely lift a, a plate to his mouth, then you're probably going to lose. The anchor man is very important. In our life, we have the best that could possibly be available in that our hope is tied to God himself. Now notice first here in the A part, we are anchored in the character of God because the apostle here in Hebrews 6 says that we are tied to the character of God. That is, that God cannot lie. God cannot lie. Titus 1 verse 2 says the same thing. God cannot lie. That is such a stark contrast to what we encounter from day to day because mankind is easily deceived and is also involved in deceiving. If you compare passage in 2 Timothy, 2, 2 Timothy 3, 13 and 14, Paul tells Timothy that evil men will keep getting worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That describes our world right there. Deceiving and being deceived. But God can never be deceived. Now, how many times have you ever been deceived or surprised? Have you ever been surprised? We were taking a large group of young folks down the Buffalo River years ago. It's because we don't have any better sense than to do that. And so the leader of the group decided that, that I would be the last one down. And he put me in a kayak. And he just... My job was, you know, when the young folks in their canoes would get stuck here and there, I would just wait for them to get unstuck and, and I would just be the guy that comes up 
at, at the last. So, so the time I got to the dock where we were all meeting, most everybody was already on the dock, and so I'm just, I'm just enjoying headed toward the dock. And but they had a plan. Out of nowhere, from under the water, came these two big youth ministers, and they came up inside and they flipped me. They flipped me. And everybody on the dock was in on this. And next thing I knew, I was underwater. And when I came up, everybody was just clapping and laughing and having a good time with it. We're easily deceived, but God is not. God is not. What God has said can be counted on without any shadow of doubt. And so our hope is tied to the character of God. But also... In the B part here, we are anchored also in the, in the presence of God. Notice this especially in Hebrews 6.19. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope, notice this, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. In the inner place behind the curtain. We know that what the apostle doing is doing here, he's, he's reminding us of the Old Testament tabernacle and all that, of course, has been nailed to the cross. But he reminds us of that in the Old Testament tabernacle system, the, the place behind the curtain, behind the veil, was the Holy of Holies. And that's where the presence of God was. And that's where no one was allowed to go in there except for the high priest once a year. Okay. This is the presence of God. And this is exactly what he's saying. He's saying the hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. The presence of God. And what do you think about when you think about the presence of God? You think about power. Okay. You think about something that's very sure. Yeah, there's no doubt when you're... Think about how Moses would walk away with such a shining face after he would commune with God on Mount Sinai. In 2 Timothy 4, 16 and 17, Paul said, uh, At my last defense, all men forsook me. Nobody stood with me, but God, God was with me. The presence of God makes all the difference. So our hope in, is anchored in the presence of God. And then the C part is, our hope is anchored in the, in the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ. This will be uh, 2 Timothy 1, verse 10 passage with this is 2 Timothy 1 verse 10. We're anchored in the gospel of Christ. Because there Paul says that Christ has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Through the gospel. If we were to just walk around and ask people, do you, do you believe that there is uh, something waiting for you after you leave this earth? Most people in our area would say, yes, uh, I believe in some sort of, of hope, some sort of after, afterlife. Okay. But that does not prove that there is hope. That's no proof of hope. That's just, that's just a survey. You also could take a survey that might, you might find people, the majority of people say, I don't believe there's any hope after we leave this earth. Well, that doesn't prove there's no hope. Okay. But there is something very sure that tells us we have hope. Notice it there in 2 Timothy 1 and, and verse 10. Christ has abolished death and brought life and immortality to, to light through the gospel. Okay, The gospel of Christ. Colossians 1.23 says that we ought to not 
we ought not to be moved away from the hope of the gospel. We shouldn't be stepping away from the hope of the gospel. And so we're anchored in the gospel of Christ. And then the two other blanks here under number two is the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. I want to particularly focus on the resurrection for just a second. The resurrection of Christ. Nothing has ever been more verified. Nothing is, has more evidence behind it than the resurrection of Christ. In Revelation 1, 17, Jesus appeared to John. And John fell down as someone dead at his feet. And the Lord said to him, Do not fear. Notice those words. Do not fear, John. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now I am alive forevermore. I, have the, I am the one that has the keys of death and Hades. So we're connected right to the very resurrection of our Lord. And that's what makes our anchor so sure and so steadfast before the Lord. This statement from John 14 verse 19, Jesus to his disciples, he was telling them he must go away. But he said, I will also live after I go away. And because I live, you will also live. You see, there is a heavenly guarantee in the resurrection of Christ. There's a heavenly guarantee there. Because Jesus lives, because he lives, we sing. Because he lives, then we also can live. John 14, verse 19. All right. And you might also write down there, without us just studying it, 1 Corinthians 15, the resurrection chapter, verses 20 and 23, where Paul refers to the resurrection of Christ as the first fruits, which means that that's a guarantee that if since he's been resurrected, then all that is promised in, in heaven for the faithful will come to pass as well. Beautiful, beautiful thoughts there. And so uh, notice how that uh, our anchor will hold because, because uh, we are tied to God himself to God himself many writers have written these types of words where there is life there's hope most people live right there where there's life there's hope they can't see any hope unless they can just know they have life physical life most of our world lives right there okay. but Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, that resurrection chapter, verses 17 and 19, he says, If in this life only we have hope, we are of all men most miserable. Let's bear that in mind. Number three, we know that our anchor will hold because our hope is a great motivator. Because our hope is a great motivator. Now, if you're out on the lake in a boat and, and you get anchored, then what do you do? What is it time to do then? Well, where I come from, I grew up down around Smith Lake. When we got, when we got settled, when we got to our spot on Smith Lake, it was time to fish, right? It's time to fish. 
And that's what angry people do. We fish. Jesus said in Mark 1, uh, 16 and 17, that he wants to make us fishers of men. So we are anchored in God not in order just to feel good about ourselves, but rather to help people also become anchored. Other people also become anchored. So the Lord wants us to be fishers of men. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, you remember how this chapter ends. Now abides what? Faith. What's next? Hope and love. The greatest of these, love. Faith, hope, and love. You might say it this way. Faith is our reaching up to God. Reaching up to God. Listening to His Word and praying to Him. We're reaching up to God. Hope is our looking toward the future with our faith. Paul says in Philippians 3 and verse 20, Our citizenship is in heaven, from whence also we look. We look for a Savior. We look for Him to come. As Titus 2.13 said earlier, as we were reading, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior. And so hope is when we look to the future with God. But then love is when we... Look to those around us uh, so that we can serve. So God provides for us an anchor for our soul in order for us to reach out in love. And I truly believe this is why he says the greatest of these is love. Because it's the love of God in our hearts that causes us to want to, to share what we have with others. You see, 1 John 3, 16 mentions how that um, we ought to love. Jesus loved us, so he laid down his life for us, so we ought to lay down our life for our brothers. And if we see someone who does not have this world's goods, then how can we uh, shut up our bowels of compassion to him? And then John goes on to say, let us not love in word or in simply tongue, but let let, let us love in word and in deed. When we think about hope being our great motivator, it's not that we have our, cl- our, our heads in the clouds, okay, denying reality. It's not like we're a bunch of fugitives trying to run around and avoid responsibility by, by focusing on hope. But rather, the hope that the Lord gives us also gives us courage to be like Him. And that's the idea. There's a bounce back a boomerang impact that is provided in this hope. This hope provides for us the courage that we need to serve and to sacrifice and to worship and to be more and more like our Lord. Right here in John 12, 23, Jesus said, My hour has come. Talking to his disciples. The latter part of the Gospel of John is, is just right before the cross. So Jesus said, you know, my hour has come. It's time for me to be glorified. Now, his disciples may be looking at him quietly saying, you're headed to be crucified. Why are you saying glorified? Well, the thing is, Jesus was able 
to use his hope to accomplish the Father's, Father's will. Jesus, in his hope, looked beyond his suffering to the, to the joy of bringing others uh, to the Lord. In Hebrews 12, verse 2, it clearly says this, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame, and he sat down on the right hand of the Father. And so we, in the same way, we are willing to endure anything like our Lord because we can look ahead in hope. We can see the joy that would bring the Lord. We can imagine and think about the joy of somebody else receiving the salvation of Jesus. And then ultimately we can look ahead and, and imagine and, and grasp upon and fully expect the joy and the glory that will be in heaven as well. And then finally, um, the answer to this question is yes. Will our anchor hold? And number four, it will hold because our hope is not in vain. The, the hope the Lord gives us is not in vain. Not in vain. There are those who will rob your hope if you're not careful. Our world is full of despair. One of the great enemies of Christian living is despair. Despair, bleakness, okay. hopelessness. Again, a lot of people live right here. Right there in that despairing uh, idea. Think about Solomon before Solomon came to his senses. He wrote about his, his life in Ecclesiastes before he came to his senses. He, he warns us. He says, here's what I'm about to talk about. Ecclesiastes 1 verse 2. Ecclesiastes 1 verse 2. He says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And he tells us, he said, I, I pursued everything I could think of pursuing before I finally turned completely over to the Lord. So the world, all it has for us is, is vainness and vanity. There's an old poet Alexander Pope, who was an unbeliever, and he, he suggested, kind of mocking, he suggested another beatitude. Here's what he said. He said, Blessed are those who expect nothing, for they shall never be disappointed. Okay. That's despair. That's despair. We had to study all those old poets when I was in college, and I thought, why are we doing this? But he, he wrote that. Blessed are those who, who never expect anything, for they shall never be disappointed. There was written on a tombstone these words vertically. First words was, I was not. The second set of words, I was. The third set of words, the third set of words, I am not. And then the fourth set of words, I care not. I was not, I was, I am not, I care not. That basically describes a life of hopelessness. Okay, I wasn't here, I was here, I'm not here anymore, and I don't really care one way or another. Okay. Back in the 1800s, there was a Midwest lawyer by the name of Robert Ingersoll who went around talking against uh, the Bible. 
And then his, his brother died. And of all the people in the world to ask to speak at that funeral, they asked Robert Ingersoll. And here's what he said at his brother's funeral, if you can believe it or not. He said, life is a narrow veil between the cold and barren peaks of two eternities. We strive in pain to look beyond, and we simply cannot. I can't imagine someone speaking that at a funeral, at a family member's funeral, or even having those thoughts whatsoever. We know that the Bible provides much hope, and all that we do in the Lord is not in vain. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight: Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your work in the Lord is never in vain. You might notice uh, also there in the book of Hebrews, uh, right there in the, our chapter today, Hebrews 6, and uh, verse number uh, 10 God is not unjust to forget your work and the love that you have showed for his sake in serving the saints as you still do. The Lord never forgets. Remember, Joseph was forgotten. Joseph interpreted all those dreams, and, and, um, but they forgot him, left him in, in prison for a number of years. But, but God never forgets us uh, whatsoever. And so, will your anchor hold? It will. It will. Because our aim is clear. Because we're tied to God Himself. God Himself. Because it's such a great motivator. And because our work in the Lord is never in vain. So... Sister Maynard text, and she said that there's a family preacher in Minnesota named uh, Randy Martin. He has a son named Luke. Luke has eight kids. And the recommendation of group gatherings right now in Minnesota is no more than ten. So she was telling me that Randy has told his son they have any more kids, we're going to start farming them out for other people to take care of. A good friend of mine yesterday said that uh, if he looked out today and the pews were empty, he was just going to imagine that there were a bunch of angels sitting there uh, listening uh, to him. Uh, Karen sent uh, a picture of a, a preacher in Georgia who um, went around and, and taped a picture where um, families would usually sit. So he just taped a picture because he knew where everybody was going to sit. He taped a picture of them on the pew where they would sit so he could better imagine that they were there. I'm thankful that you are here. I'm thankful to be able to share just a few thoughts about the great hope, the anchor of the soul. As we close our lesson, notice just a couple of other passages and then we're going to extend the Lord's invitation. Notice this from Romans 15, 13. Let this sink deep into your heart. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing 
so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Isn't that beautiful? Romans fifteen thirteen, And then this one from 1 Peter 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If we can assist you this morning with any spiritual need, we stand ready to do just that. If someone here feels that after studying and believing in the Lord, you're ready to be baptized, we are ready to assist you in that, in that great uh, obedience to God. If anyone here needs prayer or strength or any spiritual uh, application whatsoever uh, this morning, please make that known right now as we stand together as we sing.